0: This is William Del Pilar, and this is Points on the Board, and I am happy to welcome what will probably be a new co-host for us here on Points on the Board, Eddie Aparicio. I've known Eddie for 20-plus years. We got our start in the fantasy sports industry, and Eddie, tell us a little bit about yourself before we get on into it.
1: All right. Hey, Guillermo, good seeing you again, man. You look great, man, after 20 years. What do you do, (laughs) man? You're ageless. Oil of a what's your secret, man?
0: (laughs) My secret is good genes.
1: Yeah, there you go, exactly. So that's the Panamanian genes you got in you, man. Anyway, hi everyone, Uh, I'm Eddie Aparicio. I am uh, born and raised in San Francisco, California. I've been playing fantasy football since 2002. I met William at the Fantasy Sports Trade Association when he was the owner of a KFFL uh, 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 news and Fantasy rankings website that he did back in the day. I uh, was very, very knowledgeable, very, very good at his job. I learned a lot from him during the time, and we just connected because of our Latin, you know, Latin blood, Latin gene. You know, we just have that that pheromone kind of like, hey, you're Latin, right? You're Latin, yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. So that's how we got connected. Uh, you know, we've been working together on and off over the years. Uh, we know common people in the industry. Uh, we'll probably get into that as we keep going uh, through these podcasts. But uh, nice to meet you, and uh, looking forward to the show.
0: And that, my friends, is Eddie. Eddie's absolutely right. We have a mutual friend who's at ESPN and Stefania Bell as well. And so we've been around for quite a while. And we made our bones. In fact, I'm pretty proud of KFFL. As I've said before uh, on the podcast, we were the NFL Network's first fantasy sports analyst. Uh, we did uh, satellite television, regular television. We were the first fantasy sports company to be featured on an NFL pregame show with the CBS show, as well as being featured by Armin Catan. So Eddie was there for all of that. In fact, if I remember correctly, maybe not Eddie, but Stefania was down here for a Super Bowl party I once had. So a lot of good funds with a lot of trailblazing. And Eddie's going to join me. We're going to talk some regular sports, but we are going to delve into a little bit of fantasy football as well. But on tap for tonight is the NBA, Damon Lillard, Victor Wimbayama my NFL power rankings and a little bit of fantasy football. And for those of you, we are located right now at sportsgrumblings.com, getting ready to turn over to grumblingsmedia.com. So we look forward to having you guys on board starting this week and for the rest of the season. So Eddie, let's not waste any time. Eddie's favorite sport, believe it or not, is the NBA, which I find ironic considering us Latinos are high challenged for lack of a better word. (laughs) So, so Eddie, let's talk about a seven footer, a man who I call the twig, Victor Wimbayama. Honestly, Eddie, before you get into it, my take on this, not being the basketball expert, but when I see Victor, I see a noodle. I see somebody who will get destroyed within the next one to three seasons if he does not put some meat on his bones. We've had some skinny uh, seven-footers have long careers, but we've never had many elite seven-footers. Maybe Hakeem Olajuwon, or maybe you can fill us in on who. But I don't see this kid making it unless he puts some bones on, uh, some meat on his bones. Am I wrong or right? The floor is yours, my friend.
1: Well, hey, Guillermo, William, you are absolutely right. But before you speak on behalf of a lot of Latins, there are some Latinos in the <laughs> NBA, okay? So uh, for those of you who don't even know, I bet you a lot of people don't even know that Carl Anthony Towns is Dominican Republic. We also have Al Horford, same thing, Dominican Republic. So there are some representation. Believe it or not, Guillermo, I could have played in college but they wanted me to change my major, (laughs) believe it or not. I actually didn't know that, but I didn't go to a big time school. I went to Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, go Mustangs. Uh, But honestly, the coach pulled me aside and said, Hey, I like your game. You know, you have a good defensive prowess about you. You got a lot of different skill sets. Very similar to Draymond Green' skill set, by the way, just so you know. But they wanted me to change. They wanted me to change my major. I was electrical engineering. That's what I graduated with, electrical engineering. And it just wasn't mixed. Sports and engineering didn't mix at Cal Poly unless you had a scholarship. So, anyway. But getting back to your point, Victor Webanyama, you're absolutely right, man. The guy has a stick figure of a. Yeah, he has a stick figure, right? I mean, that's who he is. But the guy's highly skilled. You know what I mean? He's he, he can dribble very well. He can shoot very well. Right now, these days. They want big guys to be able to shoot. You know, Steph Curry changed the whole game years ago. You know, three-point is not the big threat right now. So they want big guys who can do a lot of different skill sets. Because back in the day, you know, it, you know, the days of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, the, the Hakeem Olajuwon, you know, those guys, they were more down-low guys, right? They, they had a shot outside, but not Kareem. But Hakeem had a shot. He could shoot three-pointers. But now nowadays, the NBA is all about a highly skilled seven-footer. And Victor Webinjama is very highly skilled. Like you said, though, he is a twig, and, and unfortunately, if he doesn't put some weight on him, he's not going to be a very big factor in the NBA. I would say that there's another sp- a player who's very much liked in the NBA. is called uh, his name is Chet Holmgren. Came from Gonzaga, very similar skill set, very very similar. The only difference I would say is Victor Webinjama actually can dribble the ball a lot better than Chet Holmgren. But they're both they both can play you know high and low. Uh, both very good defensive guys. Chad Holmgren is actually very, very thin too. So I am hoping that in this offseason, when we see him next year or this coming up season in another month, he's going to have some, you know, meat on him because that—that's definitely what Victor Wevanyama lacks. And I think, like I said, if he doesn't do, if he doesn't put the weight on, he's definitely going to have some challenges dealing with like a a a, a Jokic, you know, for instance, who's right, a beast down low, right. right? You know, he he he's just going to tear him apart. Uh, so so anyway, so just just wanted to point that out, just like the support we just said.
0: You know Eddie, a couple of points. One, props to the Dominican Republic. They're known as a baseball producing factory. So they Absolutely. have NBA and and they're so poor over there, they don't even own an island. They have half an island. <laughs> 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 look at nice. up people if you, if you don't get what I'm talking about, learn some history. But uh yeah, you're right. And look, you know, the thing about Victor uh, uh and let me say this, Wembanyama. I always like to pronounce it wembayama. You're right. He has game when I saw him dribbling and I saw, I started looking at looking him up, you know, come draft. I was, I wasn't stunned. I was shocked at, he does not play like a seven footer. He plays more like a power forward or something in terms of how his skills, how he dribbles about how he's able to move that body. He's not a stiff big man. You know, he has, he, right. he has some, some great skill and, and you're right. However, at the end of the day, when you've got a seven footer playing center, you, there's there's certain spe- job specifics he has to be able to fulfill, and that's my fear is that tough inside game, and 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 we're gonna uh, wait and see. And you're right about Chet. I completely forgot about Chet until uh, summer league ball this season, and then then uh, the, you know the hype started coming about about how much he's improved. And you are absolutely right. He, I mean, he's the twig. I mean, those two are like brothers, as skinny as they are. It will be fun to see them play. Uh, I've always felt the NBA season is way too long. And for kids like these two twigs, it's an extremely long season. How much physicality uh, 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 do you think? they're? I mean, it's a tough question to ask, but I just it's a long season, Eddie. And the season does not get is not kind because most players tend to lose weight as the season goes along. So what are they going to have to do to stay on top of their game in terms of uh, being from being beat down?
1: You know, I mean, they, they, nutrition is a big part of it. Rest is a big part of it. Uh, you know, guys like those guys, because they're seven six, respectively, you know, they're low, their center of gravity is very, very high. So when they're putting a screen on somebody, they're going to have to brace themselves pretty good because if they don't do it right, they can throw out their back, uh, which is a very common entry for guys that tall if they don't know how to screen somebody very well. So, you know, nutrition is a big deal. You know, of course, uh, they're going to have to, you know, uh, deal with weights and so forth throughout the season. I mean, these guys still do weights throughout the season. So hopefully by the time, you know, the season starts, they already have some uh, extra bulk on them so that they can deal with the ground and pound of the NBA. And of course, the minutes restrictions, right? You know, sometimes some of these coaches understand that these players may not necessarily be you know, ready for 20 to 25 minutes a game and they'll just build them up so they can get their confidence up and going and get their, 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 their wind, you know, as far as like their, their endurance, you know, as far as the NBA, because it's very spurty, you know, if you're not in shape, it's going to, it's going to show. Um, so, you know, guys who are lumbering at seven, four, seven, three, they're carrying a lot of weight and they're doing a lot more extra effort, right. To, to keep to, to keep, uh, you know, playing ball in the NBA. So I, I think that's the key for them is just to make sure that they stay within themselves you know, and and uh, play accordingly based on their skill set.
0: You're absolutely correct. My other fear is he's only 19. And the reason I say that is most individuals don't stop growing. Most young men don't stop growing internally uh, until they're, they're mid to late 20s. So, I mean, he's 19. He's got another five to six years of just internal growth. And, again, I just – I don't think anything's gonna. I don't think it's aligning properly for him. I'd rather see him as a 24, 25 year old entering the league with some meat on his bones. So, my thing, my thought process, and what I view as his saving grace is the man who I loathe the most. In the nba his new head coach tell us a little bit about san antonio spurs their head coach and the positives he has by going to that team versus another team with with, with maybe a less uh, a, a head coach with less experience talk to me about that
1: well greg greg popovich has spanned numerous decades in, in having multiple chances having multiple different stars on his team and the thing is is that the main difference with greg popovich versus a lot of coaches He's kind of an old school coach he definitely gets into his players he definitely can you know enforce you know himself his will on players because he's that strong personality he is, he essentially established himself himself as the alpha dog within the locker room and everybody understands it and respects it and even more so now, even though at his advanced age he has this reputation I mean, you can see when he gets interviewed at the on the on the sidelines you can see his personality come out he's very short hurt. To the point, and he intimidates even the reporters, right? So you can imagine he intimidates his players if they don't follow suit with, with what he does. But the guy, you know, commands—he commands attention, he commands respect, and he he drafts certain players that actually can take it. Uh, we have like David Robinson, you know, Naval Academy. He's a, he's used to dealing with authority figures. You have Tim Duncan. He's a pretty reserved guy, and I think he's just naturally that type of guy who can take coaching, and you know. Greg Popovich will berate anybody. It doesn't matter if you're a star or not. And people in, in, the, in the team respects that You know because he treats everybody on the same plane. He doesn't pick favorites. So I think Victor Wembanyama is going to the best possible situation for him because he's going to learn from a Hall of Fame coach who definitely teaches the fundamentals of basketball, the right way to play, both offense and defense. Team is first. There's no I in team. And, you know, the superstars, you can kind of leave your ego at the door, right, when you come to to San Antonio. So I think this is going to be a good fit for him.
0: Right, right. Like I said, I loathe Greg Popovich as a human being. (laughs) But as a head coach, to me, there's only – there's not two better. I view him, Phil Jackson, and Pat Riley as the predominant coaches in our lifetimes. And you and I, we're in our late 40s, early 50s here. We've seen some coaches come and go. We've seen Phil Jackson in his glory days with Michael Jordan. We, uh, 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 we've seen Popovich with not just one star, but two stars, in, in David Robinson and 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 and, and Duncan. So. Pat Riley had magic, you know. He had his own set of stars, and and I guess what I'm trying to say is, out of those three, the the, the first two got all the fanfare. They had the superstars on their team. I we would call uh, Robinson and and Duncan. Uh, I would not call them superstars, even though their their stats. The way we look at Michael Jordan, uh, uh, which and the reason I say that isn't to knock those two guys, but to show how they let Popovich be the coach and be the leader of that team, and they knew their roles. So I view them, they had just as many rings, if not more. Uh, I view them just as dominant players, but I view them as being the players perfect for Popovich's uh, system. And I view Victor Wembayama in that same way. My hope is Popovich does not play him uh, as uh, the minutes most fans would probably like to see him. But for the next couple of years, kind of limits his time. lets him grow into that body. Learn the speed, the physicality uh, of the NBA game. I was going to say the fundamentals, but we haven't seen fundamentals in the NBA in well over 15 years. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know, not, right. Since, not since the Stockton heydays. Okay, so that's my take on Wambayama.
1: Couldn't have picked a when better place. Said, William. He could not have picked a better place to go, okay, honestly.
0: So my final question <laughs> on Victor here, when it's said and done, his career is over superstar, solid player, or journeyman like Sean Bradley? Uh,
1: he has the potential to be a superstar. I think he's going to be a very good player, multiple all-star type of player. Hall of Fame, not sure. Um, the, the jury's still out. I think that really is contingent on his ability to put on some weight and be able to play the same way with that extra weight.
0: I agree. I agree. We will wait and see. All right, that is one of the big off-season stories. Uh, oh, real quick, Eddie, uh, has he been doing? Has he been participating in the summer leagues at all?
1: No, uh, he did. Uh, like the, the, I only think he only played like one or two games in very limited limit uh, minutes. But he he definitely played and showed out. He actually played, you know, a, a pretty good game. I think his second game. Uh, showed his overall skill set, both defensive and, and offensively. But they, you know, it's great Popovich knows what he has. He's they, they limited his minutes, so he did play, but he didn't play the whole summer, summer league season. He only played, I think, two games.
0: Okay, and finally, for fantasy uh, basketball players entering the season, what do you tell them about Victor? Where do you tell them to uh, grab him? Te-
1: te- te- temper, temper your expectations. Don't grab him early. Grab him, grab him towards the middle to late rounds. He'll uh, be there. Because you know the guy, the savvy, uh, savvy fantasy basketball player understands this, and they know that there's high upside, but they know that he's not worth like a early round pick.
0: All righty, there you have it, people. I'm looking forward to seeing this kid play. I hope I'm wrong. I personally just see him as another Sean Bradley, but. He's only 19, so he's he's at a point in his life where we haven't seen if he's going to be a big kid or if he's going to be bony. I guess we can look at his parents and find out a little bit uh, about that. But I want to wait and see how he does over the next two years before – because I think it's going to take a couple years before we really know what kind of player they have down there in San Antonio. Let's move on. Let's move on to another big off-season topic, and that's Damian Lillard, who has demanded his his way out of, uh, out of uh, Portland – but his demands have gone unheard right now. What can you tell us about the trade rumors? A little bit first of all about Lillard, his background, and uh, the top dog in terms of teams we heard was the Miami Heat. In fact, when these rumors first started, Eddie, uh, it was considered a done deal, and and I was like, why is it a done deal when when Portland has holds all the cards and the Heat did to me weren't offering much. What's your take on this whole story?
1: What's interesting, William, is that you know Damian Lillard has kind of, you know, held some pride in being able to stay in one market for quite some time and stay loyal to a team for quite some time, and that was kind. He was kind of hanging his hat on that for years, and then right. all of a sudden it, ch- it changed. It turned uh, something something soured between him and the front office, and this is what I think happened. And I think he he wanted to have you know Portland. He wanted to give Portland a chance to build a championship team. I think in his from his standards, I think they they never got there. You know, C.J. McCollum was was gone. You know, they have Nurkic there, but you know they 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 need other players to support Lillard. Lillard can't do it by himself. And he's a superstar player. He's going to be more than likely a Hall of Famer, even though he he hasn't won a championship yet. But he's he's that talented. He's a very very talented player and consider highly regarded as one of the the best leaders in the NBA. Believe it or not, uh, Damian Lillard's from Oakland, California. Uh, that's why he wears zero on his uh, on, on. You know, that's his that's his number zero to 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 pay homage to to Oakland. Um. So uh, you know, he he definitely has made it clear that at, at some point in his career he wanted to play for the Golden State Warriors. But the thing is, he's not a good fit for the Warriors. Uh, the Warriors are a smaller team. Um. They need some size. Samuel Laird, You know, just complicates matters by putting him you know with Chris Paul and and, 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 and and Steph Curry. It's not a good fit for him. In my opinion, I think the teams that make that makes the most sense. Miami Heat definitely makes sense for sure. Um, I think uh, Joel Embiid's uh, Sixers is another team that make, make, makes a lot of sense. And as a matter of fact, there's reports that another Eastern Conference team just recently put their name in the hat, if you will, about, you know, someone that they want that they're trying to uh, uh, woo him to come over. And, and it's rumored to be to believe that that's the 76ers. Uh, Milwaukee Bucks is another one I think that would be a good fit for him too. Those three teams – are championship-ready if they add a Damian Lillard. And Damian Lillard understands that, and I think, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what, what plays out.
0: Do you think the situation is he just wants to win a ring before he retires? I mean, at the end of the day, that's uh, – somebody who wants – who publicly has stated as much as he has about wanting to stay with one team for his old career – and when he would talk about it, you could see it came from the heart, meaning he wanted to right. bring a championship to Portland. And I think it's a point now where he's like, look, man, I'm, I'm older now. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, right. So maybe he, he wants a ring. Why isn't the Heat willing? We, we've heard about Tyler Harrow being part of the trade. We've heard about a third team maybe getting involved. But why aren't the Heat willing to give up? what Portland feels he's worth. I mean, do they think that he's burned his bridge in Portland and Portland has got to ship him out regardless? Because I don't see it that way, but it, to me it seems like that's how the Heat sees it.
1: Well, you know, we we've got to remember who, who the Heat have as their general manager. It's, it's Pat Riley and he plays hardball. You know, Pat Riley probably knows that, you know, he, ha- he's, he has more of the, 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 the power in, the, in this negotiation. He has more of the upper hand in this negotiation and knows that Damian Lillard wants to leave, and, you know, there's no way I think Portland is going to keep him there with the disenchanted Lillard. He's just going to create problems. I don't say he's going to create problems. It's just not going to be a good look for him. So, um, you know, they, I think Portland is kind of in a tough situation because, you know, Damian Lillard has been loyal to them, right? And, you know, right. the, the least they could do is is is, you know, return the favor with that loyalty and say, hey, look, you've been good by us. We'll be good by you we will we'll go ahead and accept your trade uh, request and we'll, we'll 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 find the best you know possible s- scenario for both of us so i think you know pat riley knows that you know he knows that you know portland is in the situation where they have to make a deal so pat riley's trying to get the best deal he can for for, for the heat as well
0: what's your take on Lillard stating he doesn't want to go to golden state he doesn't want to go to a team that's won so many times over the past few years. It sounds as if he wants to go to a team where he can be an integral part of the championship and be seen as one of the key players to bring a championship versus uh, doing what uh, Kevin Durant did. Hey, going to a team to win a championship, you know? And people look at, at at the championship as, well, did you really win it or were you just part of a, right. a mercenaries? Kind of like the Miami Heat team with uh, LeBron and uh, uh, Dwayne and, and a and few Chris others Bosch. that one year. Chris Bosh, yeah, yep. Where, where it, it, it's not like oh you brought this championship no they bought a championship that year uh, what, what do you think of Lillard's take on, uh, 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 well he didn't say that but that's kind of what I got out of it but he says he doesn't want to go there which I mean you say he doesn't fit there but what, why would a player say that
1: it's probably because you know the the, the the backlash that Kevin Durant got when he left you know Oklahoma City to join the Warriors you know everybody thought he was you know a cupcake you know a a candy, a hey, a s s, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Because you know he joined a super team already and felt that you know, hey, you, you know, they really didn't need you. They could win without you. They already proven they could win without exactly. you. Exactly. You know, but the thing is, is that you know, in the end, I think Golden State really needed him. You know, uh, really at the time. But I think because of that backlash, I think you know that's kind of like created this 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 scenario for you know team or uh, players that may want to go and jump to a, a team that's already stacked. It, 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 I think it damages their perception a little bit. And I think Damian Lillard knows he has a very good perception within the NBA, is, is is actually known as a really good leader in the NBA. And I think he wants to be, you know, the trailblazer that brings a championship, you know, another championship to a team that may have struggled to have championships, whereas with Golden State Warriors, I've not really struggled to have championships. So I think that's, that's what he wants to feather in his cap, that he, he was a big difference to get a championship with that team that he goes to.
0: Right. I I agree. I agree. In fact, it's funny because uh, I look at the, oh gosh, Dennis Rodman, you know, he went to both the Bulls and I believe, wasn't he with the Pacers? I mean, not the Pacers, the uh, distance. Yeah. And, uh, You know he'll never go down as a superstar in statistically, but he was a difference maker and, and where he went, they knew he was a difference maker. so I think Lillard's looking at himself in that same mode as he wants to be that difference maker when he goes to a team and uh, uh, I, I it's ironic because we mentioned the heat as a team that built a team of mercenaries, and now we're talking about the heat possibly bringing him on, but it, it's in a different light, and you're absolutely correct about Pat Riley. I remember reading a story about Pat Riley and the only other person I, I read a similar story on was Bill Parcells and where they show the hand and they show the rings. <laughs> this is why you better listen to what to, what I have to say. And, uh, exactly. he still has that mojo going there in terms of the respect he carries. The only other person in the league that I would look at and say, Hey, you can show the rings is, is, uh, uh, Popovich. I don't put Kerr in, in in Popovich or or Phil Jackson or or, 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 or Pat Riley's uh, league yet. I really don't. I don't know why. Maybe because he's too modern still. I don't know. But at the end of the day, I, I do think you're absolutely correct. And my friends, there you have it. A couple of offseason stories. You know, Eddie, uh, for the fantasy basketball players out there, do you play fantasy basketball? I
1: don't play fantasy football, basketball per se in the traditional league. Format. I actually do, you know, the daily fantasy sports format. And I'm a big time Mm -hmm. basketball player. Uh, I'm a big time participator in that. And I actually do pretty well in that, uh, believe it or not. Actually, as a matter of fact, let me tell you a little story about that, uh, William. About six, seven years ago, um, I had a lineup that I changed one player. And actually, I remember this and I'll never forget this. I changed James Enos for the 76ers. For Jay Crowder, and I believe Jay Crowder at the time may have played for the Phoenix Suns. I forgot who exactly it was. But if I had not done that, I would have won 100000 bucks. No way. I swear.
0: Wow. And it, yeah, of course it, you it, don't forget. It, I don't forget,
1: <laughs> right? I won like, I think it was like 90 bucks, right? Because the way they, uh, these these sites pay is, you know, the higher you are in the rankings, it exponentially increases yeah. your yeah, payouts, yeah. right? So you know I, it was it was a good return on five dollars you know 70, uh, $80 to ninety bucks but hundred thousand that's a that's a life changer right there on just a five dollar entry right so I'll never oh, yeah. forget that yeah so that's yeah. so I do play I'm a very big player in that so that yeah
0: I remember one season I can't remember which high stakes league it was I was like number three overall and I mm-hmm. had the place kicker going but everybody else in that top ten had like two or three players still going that Monday night so I just saw my tally drop. Drop, yep. <laughs> drop, whoop, bump, bump, kick the field, go, drop, drop, oh, extra point. At that point, you're looking for any point you can get just to hold on. And you never exactly. forget those those leagues because, I mean, when you're talking that much money in the tens of thousands, that's some serious change. And uh, for me, it was very important because it not only validated uh, my own belief in my own skills, but it also validated KFFL as being one of the premier fantasy sites because my belief is simple. If you suck at the game, I'm not going to buy your service and your product. And people, I got to be honest, about 80% of the companies out there that sell you fantasy content, their experts actually suck. It's not all about understanding the player but it's more importantly how you draft and how you manage your team. And that's what always separated me from from, from everybody else was managing that team and, and looking at the outlook of these players. And speaking of fantasy, we are now into the NFL season where fantasy football is king, at least traditional fantasy football is still king. I, I, I do believe because of baseball, basketball, and hockey uh, – they have so many games. Eventually, in DFS, that's going to be big money makers for them because football is only a once a week game. But for traditional fantasy foot, now fantasy football is king, and we're not, we're going to talk a little fantasy here, Eddie. But let's get into some power rankings. That way, we can talk about the league, the teams. I laid out my power rankings, and the top three should not surprise anybody. The Chiefs, the 49ers, and the Eagles. And I had the Chiefs, number one, because at the end of the day, they got defensive in Chris Jones back, and Travis Kelsey is now healthy. And to me, this is the same dominant team we've seen over the last three to five years. Sure, they may not have Tyreek Hill. Sure, they may not uh, uh, have Kareem Hunt from a few years ago uh, for the rushing attack. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. They have Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, and they've Patrick proven Mahomes, they
1: can win without Tyreek Hill. They already proven it. They can with
0: that title. Exactly. Target. Exactly. Yep. So they, they're my number one team until somebody actually knocks them off the perch or Mahomes goes down with injury. Number two, I have San Francisco. To me, hey, look, Brock Purdy's still getting his sea legs back in terms of getting his arm Back into uh, timing, into sync, into comfortability too. People who haven't played uh, sports, and there's a lot of them out there, or they're your 30-some odd, 30-some uh, odd year old uh, uh, couch potato who was probably a third stringer on his high school football team. You know they don't understand after injury it takes a while. But outside of that, I would argue that San Francisco is arguably the most well-rounded team in the NFL. When you look at offense, defense, the offensive, defensive line, secondary, rushing attack, you know, I think that they're arguably the best team overall. And then I had Absolutely. the Philadelphia Eagles and they're for real, but they've come the last couple of weeks, they've shown their, 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 their humanity. And I think that, that, that's because of Jalen Hurts. That team is going to live and die by Jalen Hurts in his play. I think they are beatable if Jalen Hurts is not on his A game. But at the end of the day, I think those are your elite teams. Any issues with those top three? Actually, no.
1: As a matter of fact, you know, William, I have no argument in your top three. I, I, you know, there's some people that would argue number three right now because it's, it's kind of like, what have you done for me lately kind of situation, you know, Dallas has looked very impressive, right? So some would argue Dallas would probably supplant Philadelphia in in, in the number three position, but I'm not, you know, Kansas city, I'll tell you a little quick little story. I, I, I'm from San Francisco, born and raised follow all my teams, especially the Niners, the golden state warriors and the San Francisco giants. And my family, my family had, there were a bunch of Raider fans and they were obnoxious Raider fans. And there, there's a reason why I hate <laughs> their Raider fans is because of them cheering and screaming about the Raiders when my Niners really were not very good back in the early, you know, the, the mid 70s to, to the early 80s until Joe Montana arrived. But what happened is that there was a team that I really, really liked. And the reason why I liked them is because they always kicked the Oakland Raiders' ass. And the second reason why is because a lot of quarterbacks left. The, the Niners to go to Kansas City, and it started with Steve DeBerg and Joe Montana, it went to uh, uh, Steve Bono, Elvis Gerback, and then you have Alex right. Smith, right? That's so there's right. five right. former former 49er quarterbacks, my team, that went to Kansas City, and I adopted Kansas City back in the, in the, in the early 80s because of that reason, the quarterback departure, and then because they always beat the, the, the Raiders' butt. So I have no issues with your top two, um, and the only th- the only thing is like, like I said earlier is Dallas Cowboys might be probably have a good argument to be the third uh, the third team instead of Philadelphia right now.
0: Well, speaking of the Cowboys, I do have them ranked. I want to say number four. Uh, yep. They're playing. They're playing. They, you know what? When I see the Cowboys play, I see an elite team right now. I was so week one. I'm like, okay, the Giants maybe had an off had an off. Week, but no, they they not only dominated the Giants, they came out and dominated the Jets. And the Jets supposedly have one of the elite defenses, and they were running for their lives uh, uh, this past week. I have them ranked as the the number four team overall in my power rankings. The grumbling media's NFL power rankings. I guess I should have stated that Uh, they're playing like. In fact, I wrote they're playing like the Cowboys of the Tom Landry and Jimmy Johnson eras, and those were Cowboys teams where when they hit the field, you hated them. Why? One, they were America's team. Two, they were a great team. Three, you just always knew they were going to pull a win out of their butt somehow coming at the end of the game. And as a kid, who can ever forget The flex, remember when they would go to the office and go to the line? Then they would flex and move up like that. I never understood that. To this day, I still don't get that. But those were the teams of magic, America's team, some of the great and greatest marketing you'll have ever seen. But, yeah, they're playing elite football. And the reason I didn't put them above the Eagles is because we are early in the season. And I do weigh last season and how these teams ended uh, uh, entering this season. And until the Chiefs, Niners, and Eagles uh, show me enough to to lose that lofty ranking, I see Dallas at nipping at their heels. The Bills that comeback or that win rather against the Raiders that was a statement win. That was like, yeah, yeah, you know, we may not have looked great in Week One, but we are for real. And at Miami Dolphins. I ranked the Miami Dolphins number six overall is on the strength of their coaching. I don't know what it is about Mike McDaniels, that, that little skinny twig, you know, of a man. <laughs> In fact, nobody knew about Mike McDaniels uh, until the story came out where a reporter wrote last year, two years ago, just another white uh, wits kid, you know, getting a job. And without realizing Mike Daniels is actually biracial, <laughs> you know, black parent, you know, one white, one black. So that was his coming out party. Boy, I did not behes- know that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I did I'm into politics, and, and as we've talked off camera, we're, we're there's a lot of tribalism right now. But, yeah, that was a big issue early on. Boy, did that reporter, I don't even remember his name, but did he eat his words. But <laughs> that has been quickly forgotten because he proved to us why he was hired and why uh, he should have been hired. The man knows his X's and O's. And he's taken the strengths of that team and parlayed them into playing above what anybody thought they could. And that includes Tua. Tua's big knock right now is his arm strength. I completely disagree. Once a time he gets down, and it takes a couple of years to learn a new offense when you've got new players coming in. And I just see great things for for this Dolphins. In fact, I don't view them. I had them ranked number six right now, but I don't view them as competing or, or ending up in the championship game. Uh, in the AFC. even though I would not be shocked, because I still think they're a couple of pieces away.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: I I, agree. I think we're talking an elite Dolphins team, meaning the top three come next year. But this year, they're nipping. So in my next tier are the Cowboys, Bills, and Dolphins. Any issues with that? Somebody I leave out or somebody uh, shouldn't be there?
1: Well, like I said earlier, maybe the Cowboys I would probably put number three right now for the Dolphins, number four. I have no problem with the Bills being number five. And the Dolphins actually are an up-and-coming team at number six. Some would argue that probably Baltimore Ravens should be there instead of the Miami Dolphins. But, you know, this is your list. And I think you make a good case for it. You know, Miami Dolphins have a lot of talent. You know, they have the fastest wide receiver core in the M- in, in the NFL in uh, Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill. They have a, a very talented pass, passer in Tua. And let's all you know not forget Joe Montana didn't have the best arm either, and, and, and no. he had a Hall of Fame career, right? Uh, Four time Super Bowl champ. So you know you can do it without having a strong big arm. You know, so I think Tua is, is very accurate. That's one thing that, that stands out about him. And then, of course, you got the running back, you know, former 49er Raheem Mostert. Actually, McDaniel came from the 49ers. And then Vic Fangio also is the defensive coordinator. So, you know, the 49ers have their fingerprints all over that team right now, right? So I think that's a good call. I think, you know, uh, number number six or number seven is kind of where I would have him, you know, depending on, the you know, how we move things around in the top six or seven, but I think that's a good choice. They're an up and coming team for sure.
0: And let's not forget, Jonathan Taylor is off the trading block at the moment. They may is still he really? play for him. Well, they have, he's on the pup. So no team's going to, they may negotiate right now and start talking, but I wouldn't see a trade for him happening until he, he comes off pup. And yep. uh, the league, the league still needs to uh, see if Jonathan Taylor is hundred percent healthy, but I would not be shocked if there, if Miami is in the run, Before the trade deadline and uh, uh, because I do think what I love about Jonathan Taylor and most people who don't the problem with football today, you have too many stats driven morons, meaning they see a bunch of stats, but they don't look at the stats in context. Daniel Jones may have had similar numbers, say, to Josh Allen but there's a difference in the win column. There's a difference of when you throw the interception. There's a difference when you take the sack. So stats at the end of the day don't matter. And the reason I bring this up is Jonathan Taylor does have the stats, but what makes him different from most other running backs in the league? He can score a home run from anywhere on the field. And when people hear that, they think of a Roger Cray or one of these type of running backs, that can take it from the outside, take that little screen pass and go. The thing that makes Jonathan Taylor special is he can take it from in between the tackles and hit the home run and go all the way to the house. And that's the difference with Taylor that I don't see with a lot of other running backs. Uh, so, so we've kind of digressed a bit, but I can see the Dolphins still making a play for him. All right. Now my, my, my next score is better than average, but still have kinks to work out. And moving forward, from here's where I I feel people are going to go, what the hell are you talking about? Here's how I have it laid out. 7, 8, and 9, the Detroit Lions, the Baltimore Ravens, and the New Orleans Saints. And these three teams, the coaching has really surprised me with the Saints. You know, uh, because, I mean, we shouldn't be surprised as a defensive-minded coach and their defense is carrying them. But I like what I'm seeing out of their offense. I like the risks Derek Carr has taken with some of his passes. And he's able to thread it. So I think it's a timing issue with the Saints. If they can sit there and get it together as the season goes along, I see them holding on to this number nine type ranking. But that's a big if. I have the Ravens ranked at number eight. And that's just on the strength of Lamar Jackson and that team overall and how well their coach. But there's still some questions. The rushing attack, you know, when Lamar J.K. Jackson's Dobbins. ability to stay healthy. Yep. Uh, J.K. Dobbins being out for the rest of the right. season. But my issue is it's a new offense and Lamar Jackson's health. And there's still some questions. The Lions, they're just playing great football. I think this loss should never have happened against the Seattle Seahawks, especially at home this past week. But they're also a team that's still inexperienced, so they haven't really learned how to win those games yet on a consistent basis, even though right. the last half of last season into this year shows they are learning how to win. So I view that 7, 8, and 9. You can move them around, but that's your up-and-coming powerhouse teams, in my eyes, are those three. Anybody that that, that, that should be uh, ahead of them or, 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 or Lions, Ravens, Saints, how do you view that ranking?
1: So you're 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 going just by snapshot in time right now after the first two weeks, right? This is this is your rankings after the first two weeks And, and based, right?
0: based on based on how they ended their last season, because we're so early, you, you got to take that into account. I'm looking, for example, at the Lions and how they had that great run in the for second sure. half of the season. The Ravens, how they just you know they, they were they were in the hunt until the end. And what people forget about the Ravens, uh, they were down to like they were their second or third QB, and, and they were still in, in the hunt in, in the playoffs. And the Saints, I did look at the Saints more because of the addition of Carr, you know, along with that defense.
1: So the reason I'm bringing that up as an argument or just to clarify the criteria is because I think there's going to be a lot of folks in Cincinnati that would be pretty uh, upset about that ranking and them not even being in, in in this tier because, you know, granted, Joe Burrow is dealing with, you know, an injury that he's still working through, right? And then, you know, of course, that affects Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, You know, Joe Mixon has been doing a lot of the running and so forth. Their defense hasn't really been playing as well as they should. But that team has still been, you know, a a, a perennial playoff team the last, you know, three years. So I would argue that they should probably be ranked higher than they are right now. I think they should be in that tier, in my opinion.
0: You know what? The only reason I'll give you pushback is they started out last season slowly, too. The Bengals did. I had the Bengals ranked number 10 uh, right outside of that tier because they're 0-2. And it's right. not just Joe Burroughs. It's where's that front seven? Where's that defensive? I mean, that was supposed to be the strength injury of the season. And they seem to have to disappeared, too. So I think with the Bengals, it's a matter of them showing us again, hey, we're just starting out slow uh, and we're going to prove ourselves. But this early in the season, they're 0-2. And they have not. It's not even close. They have looked pretty ugly. You know, so right. and part of that is because of Joe Burrow, that cast strain, maybe right. that defense needs to gel a bit. But at the end of the day, uh, I need to see the Bengals play a little bit better to move past the number 10 spot. In fact, I think I was being generous based off their past two seasons at putting them at number 10. If you remove those past two seasons, uh, uh, people would be going, to the Bengals at number 10. What the hell are you talking about? William, they're 0-2 and they play like crap. You know, But because of what we've seen with Burroughs. Burroughs has proven so many people wrong uh, after that transfer to LSU. Everybody thought he was done. You know, But uh, 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 good for him. I expect the Bengals to bounce back. Uh, 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 and speaking of the Bengals in the tiers, the next tiers I have pretenders or contenders. The Bengals at number ten, the Jaguars at number eleven, the Jets at number twelve, and the Browns at number thirteen. And here's why I say pretenders are contenders. One, the Bengals have just looked god awful ugly, but I would say they're not. A, they are a contender. They just need a couple weeks to get it together, and then they're going to be. Uh, they're going to remain in that top in the top ten in my eyes. But this week they are at number ten. Now the Jaguars look. They've got a great coach. They've got a a good, strong young team, but they don't know how to win yet. They don't have that confidence to go in there. They're still playing to compete, meaning they're still proving to themselves that they can compete with the big dogs. I think that San Diego Chargers victory from uh, last playoff season has gone. will go a long way in helping them and showing them how to win, but they're still learning that process. The Jets. Look, if the Jets had Aaron Rodgers, they would—they were probably ranked higher than number twelve, you know, uh, 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 because I, I think they, uh, I think that would not have been a given win for the Cowboys this week. But with, without Aaron Rodgers, can that defense carry them? As far no. as the Browns, look, Nick Chubb is gone. My take, I have not seen much from Deshaun Watson since he's come back. I yes. haven't seen much from him this year. I've seen glimpses of what he can be. But I also realize Nick Chubbs gave him the time to throw, took pressure off him, and was making his life easier. And from a scale of 1 to 10, Deshaun Watson is playing on a 5 based off expectations. Now yeah, with Nick Chubbs. With Nick Chubb gone, I'm wondering, well, can he even maintain that plane as a five? You know, because he looked ugly. He looked sloppy. I don't know what to expect from from the Browns. So Bengals, Jaguars, Jets, and Browns ranked 10 to 13. Any disagreement there? Any issues there? Any thoughts uh, from your point?
1: No, I mean the the, the rankings seem pretty fair, you know. Like I said before, the Bengals, you know, there would be argument that they should be ranked higher just because of you know their last two seasons. They're 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 a pretty good team in the playoffs. They've actually gone to the Super Bowl, right? So, uh yeah, and they're pretty much pretty much the same team. So, uh, you know, with the Jets, yeah, I, I definitely I I would say that they would be probably in the top five if Aaron Rodgers had stayed healthy. And then, of course, you know, Nick Chubb is, is a is a beast of a running back. I mean, he is just a beast, in that that. That injury he sustained yesterday was just horrific. I don't know if you saw the the highlights of that, but that no. knee did, it went in a direction it should not have gone. It just did not look. Oh my god, it just it was awful. So I feel for the guy. Um, but you know, in, in in two weeks we've had three significant injuries. You know, with Aaron Rodgers, J.K. Dobbins with the Achilles, and now Nick Chubb, which it looks like PCL, ACL, MCL. It just that that knee is a mess, unfortunately. But the thing is, is that Jerome Ford stepped in, and he's going to be a big-time waiver-wire pickup this week because he looked really good. Uh, he looked good last year, and now he's going to be given the reins now because Nick Chubb is out for the season. So so Jerome Ford, I think, is going to step in, and I think he's going to do very, very well. So uh, keep, your eye, keep your eye out on that guy. I think he's going to show out, in my opinion.
0: Right, right. So I take it from you, you would have had the Bengals right around seven, eight, or nine, uh, uh With your brothers, yeah, yeah. Yes. I just cannot put an zero and two team there. You know, it's just uh, not I even that. It's, it's it's not even the fact that they're zero two. It's how they've looked. You know, yeah, I agree.
1: Uh, uh, I, I, understand. You know. I understand. I understand. But if All right. you know, I would, yeah, just potential is their potential to go is going to be higher, in my opinion. So.
0: Right. So now my next list was the rest of the best are pretenders who are winning the Seahawks, uh, the Steelers, the Titans, the Buccaneers, and the Commanders. Look, the Seahawks to me have one of the most underrated head coaches in the league. Nobody, I, I don't like Pete Carroll. He's another bump in my eyes. But as a head coach, well, I, I just, I just, I loathe how he and other coaches will go to the college ranks, destroy a program, then leave, and then make excuses as to why they destroyed the program, but they should still be coaching. I just don't agree with a moron like that. That, That's a bad bad human being. He's destroying a college, and he's destroying the hopes of kids to earn a national championship, but he didn't care. He got his. They got his jump into the uh, NFL again with Seattle. But that said, I think the past two years, uh, has shown that he's a quality head coach. And uh, uh, that, that Seahawks win this past weekend against the Lions was not a fluke, but it's also, I think, he has his players playing, specifically Geno Smith, playing above his pedigree right now. So the Steelers, you know, what people fail to realize is Mike Tomlin won with the old regime, specifically Ben Roethlisberger. This, the last couple of years has kind of been Tomlin's uh, team. And I put more of the blame on the front office But I'm not sure he's the coach now for that team to take him to the next level. I think he may need to go to another team, reboot. Uh, But this Steelers team has not looked good the last few years. Now, that said, the greatness of Tomlin is the fact that his teams may start out weak, but they're always competitive towards the end of the season. I expect the Steelers to improve. Uh, With the Titans, I see Mike Vrabel's personality coming through. He's just that tough 1950s-style player, and it shows his team just plays like an old-school team. Hard, physical football, and they'll never give up. And uh, that's why I think they beat the Chargers. They just never gave up, never gave up. The Chargers thought they had to win, as they always do, and kind of pissed it away. Now, the Buccaneers, I don't know what we're getting out of them. Are we finally seeing the maturity of a Baker Mayfield in terms of what many thought he could become in the NFL – or are they just lucky the first couple of weeks? And the Washington Commanders, how much of it is Eric Bieniemy, or they beat the Cardinals and and they beat the Broncos, two teams that were hapless last year and haven't and have have a combined 0-4 record amongst them. What are your thoughts with uh, 14, 15, 16, 17, and 18? Seahawks, Steelers, Titans, Buccaneers, and Commanders. What's your well, thought of the ranking of those?
1: Well, what's interesting is that you have a seven. Uh, you're Seventeenth ranked team and your eighteenth ranked team are both two and zero, and you have one on one teams that are ranked higher than that guy than, than than those two teams, and you actually don't even have the Atlanta Falcons on your list, and they're also two and zero, which is interesting right. that the whole NFC South has three two and zero teams. So uh, I think the people in Atlanta would feel the same way about you know with like the folks in Cincinnati feel about the rankings. They're not even on this ranking list. So I would say that. There should be a case that if you're if you're going to measure the Bengals, you know, with you know, two losses, you know, at number ten, where I think they should be higher. The same, I think you should use the same kind of uh, criteria with, uh, you know, two and and0 teams should be higher than one and one teams, in my opinion. I,
0: I I can't argue that, except the fact of the matter is you look at deeper than just the schedule and, and their record. You look at who they beat. So, for example, the Commanders, their opponents are zero and four combined. You know, uh, with the Broncos and and the Cardinals, Uh, the Buccaneers, you know, uh, uh, week one, they beat uh, 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 the Vikings, if I remember correctly. I can't remember who it was week two. Uh, 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 I'm drawing a blank. I don't know why, (laughs) but I am. But they played solid football. You know, the Titans have played hard-nosed football, Uh, the physicality. When I look at the ranking, I I don't look at just the statistics, but I look at who they beat and who they're coaching the style of game they play. So, for example, it was Vrabel's hard-hitting, hard nose. We're going to punch you in the nose, and we're going to be a heavyweight bout where both our arms are hanging by our waist come round 15. I'm not talking new boxing, old-school boxing round 15, a couple of heavyweights just battering it out. That's Mike Vrabel's style, and that's why I had them at 16, because I don't think they're going to be able to maintain that 16-team ranking, but they're playing like a team that is planning on going deep in the playoffs and you got to give Tannehill credit. Again, I look at it in context. I don't think highly of Tannehill in terms of a quarterback who could take his team deep into the playoffs. In fact, I don't think he can. But the fact of the mentality of Mike Vrabel seeping its way to Tannehill yeah. and not quitting and keeping it together to come back for the win. That's why I have that team. That's the Steelers. And they
1: have Derrick Henry. They have Derrick yeah, Henry. Yeah,
0: exactly. At the end of the day, you have a problem. Give it to Derrick Henry. They still and as much mileage as he has, he's still the bomb. He's still the rock. And the Absolutely. Seahawks the same the same thing as Vrabel. Pete Carroll has his tough-minded coaching. So if you look at it, the Seahawks, the Steelers, the Titans, those are three tough-minded coaches. And that that probably had a hand in why I ranked them there. With the Buccaneers and Commanders, it's they've been playing above and beyond. You know, uh, 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 they're both two and o, uh, 4 and o between between them, right? Uh, yep. If I'm correct. So yep. at the end of the day, they've not only played surprisingly well, it's they've come back and win. I mean, the commanders came down from 18 points. It takes a lot of grit. Uh, a half ass team does not come back from an 18 point deficit. They came in. Thus, they're ranking the Buccaneers. Nobody expected this out of Mayfield, but we quickly forget because of social media that he was an overall number one pick.
1: Absolutely. So it's not like
0: he doesn't have talent. you know. So that's kind of why I did it there. Now, my next list is to get it together or else. The Packers. The Falcons should not be 2-0. It should be 1-1. But the Packers let that game get away from them. The Vikings. You saw them play on Thursday night. They remind me of the Kid head coach getting a job he doesn't deserve. And the reason I say that is because when you watch that team play overall, Bad tackling. No fundamentals. It's as if the head coach doesn't care except for his offense, and he wants to throw, throw, throw. You know, Dalvin Cook, anybody? They let him walk. You know, they cut him. And 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 now they can't establish a rushing attack. So, you know, uh, I view the Vikings as, as maybe O'Connell should not be a head coach. Maybe he was prematurely given that job. With the Packers, I think – Jordan Love and that team just still has to find their footing. But bad defense, you know, uh, 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 limited offense, even though we saw some great highlights. to me it seems the same old Packers. Uh, now, the Giants, they have high expectations after last year and come and after this preseason. And they just look terrible. But the fact that they were able to come back and win, I told Big John, my partner in Grumley's Media, who's a massive Giants fan.
1: Oh, poor guy.
0: Look, I know. I said, look, if the Giants are for real, they're going to come back, and they were 20 points down at the time. And right. so I, w- I was not shocked that they came back. The Rams, Sean McVay showed me he can still coach a little bit. They just got a lot of talent with Stafford, uh, 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 but, but, but that, but that receiver. Oh gosh, uh, what's Puka, his name? Puka Nakua. Yeah, we're going to talk BYU. about him a little bit. Yeah, yep. yeah. You know his talent has never been questioned. It's always been his health. So they've got some gems on that team. But I also look at them as, dude, their team from salary cap. They have no health. Meaning, if a if a player here and there gets hurt. They're they're lucky they got Puka because with Cup going down, they had a a massive hole there to fill. So I just view the salary cap as having destroyed this team, and we're going to feel the effects of that still as injuries. Remember, NFL is a game of attrition. The the teams that win the Super Bowl tend to be the healthiest teams. I don't see the Rams. And Stafford always has some kind of ailment. And at his age, I just think – this is a the, the Rams at 22 is kind of where I figured them to be between the 1925 mark. Uh, but then the Chargers, look, I've watched the Chargers play for the last 20 years. My friends, people who don't know the Chargers, this yes. is how they play. They will sit there and on paper, you will look at them and, oh, my God, that is a Super Bowl ready team until they actually play. You know, now their head coach Staley. I think he's already on the hot seat. I mean, he was 20 plus points ahead last year against the Jaguars in the playoffs and came and lost. And we're just seeing a repeat of the same thing. I don't think he, I think he's another uh, whiz kid, uh, defensive minded coach, if I remember correctly. Uh, but he's just somebody who should never have been given the uh, head coaching job. The only reason he was wasn't fired last year is because the team was too cheap and didn't want to pay his salary with the salary of a new head coach. So. I think the Chargers are going to be another sat team. They're going to be another mediocre team with more talent. Uh, uh, I mean, with enough talent to where their losses shouldn't be as many, but they will be. What's your take on that? listing there Packers, Vikings, Giants, Rams, and the just, Chargers.
1: Yeah, I mean, just quick thoughts. I mean, I, in, in my opinion, I would probably rank the Los Angeles Rams higher than any of these teams, in my opinion, because the Rams actually beat you know, a pretty good Seattle Seahawks team, a playoff team from last year on the road, and they actually gave the Niners all they can really take. You know, I mean they they showed out against the Niners. The Niners have owned the Rams for quite some time in the regular season. You know, and then the one game that they lost was actually in the championship game when the Rams actually won the Super Bowl. But normally the the Niners really dominate that team. And and and, and this team, they had no business being close to the Niners without Cooper Cup. Yet they were. Um so that tells me that they have some pretty good talent. Kyron Williams is another big waiver wire pickup this this week for for fantasy uh, football players. Um, he's actually now taking over the starting uh, role, and they're actually there's news that they're going to you know actively look at trading Cam makers again this season. So you know you have Puka Nakua, Kyron Williams, Cooper Cup when he comes back. I mean when that when they're fully healthy, that team is going to be a problem for a lot of the NFC. So I would probably argue that. The Rams should be higher and probably at number 19 over Green Bay, in my opinion, um, and ahead of t- Minnesota as well.
0: I, you know, I, I won't argue that. The thing about once you get in this level with only two games, you're going to have right. a lot of fluctuation. The one thing I will push back on is the NFC West is one of those divisions where the Rams were like 3-12 and 12 for many years, and yet they would always give the Niners fits. It's sometimes the interdivision rivalry – the records don't, or the players don't matter. It's it's, it's that, that rivalry. And the two teams you mentioned are rival teams, the Seahawks and the Niners. So so I expect, those are games where I'm like, yeah, yeah, statistically this team should win. But I'm never stunned at an upset. Same thing right. with the uh, AFC North. Uh, the, the Steelers dominated for years and they would beat up on teams when they would but the Bengals would always play them closer than what they should. The Browns would always play them closer than what they should. So these, the same thing with the East. So when you get to know a team, know their players, know the intricacies, know the nuances maybe is a better word, uh, uh, and people don't understand that. To give you an example, there may be a defensive end with the best speed move, spin around move, but when you're playing the team twice a year, for about three to four years, they'll get your spin move, and they'll be able to slow it down. Yeah, I so agree. It's, it's that little nuance. So that's the only reason I have the Rams ranked 22nd. They are a border team, meaning they maybe actually play better. And think about Cooper Cup. If he comes back with Puka. that's a devastating air attack with Absolutely. Matthew Stafford there.
1: You know, Absolutely.
0: Even though they're one injury from falling apart, if they can keep it together, they're going to upset teams. I don't view the Rams as a significant threat to make it to the Super Bowl, but they are the team that can beat you on any given Sunday if Cup comes back healthy, team built with Puka, and Stafford's arm is an alien. That, that's, uh, because at the end of the day that team does not go through the rushing attack. It goes to the arms of Stafford. you know? Absolutely. And you're I right. Agree. We're going to, we're, we're going to talk about acres here in, 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 in a bit too. Okay. So the rest of the league, Oh, it looks like my numbering got hosed up here a little bit there, but, uh, uh, uh for two, so the rest of the team is we're playing for draft position <laughs> is how I have them ranked here. So, uh, with that said, the Patriots at number 24, the Broncos at 25, the Raiders 26, the Colts 27, Panthers 28, Bears 29. Uh, uh Oh, I miscounted here. Uh, the Texans at, uh, at 31 and the Cardinals at 32. But uh this is the bottom of the pile. Look, the Patriots just look ugly. They look like a 1950s team that doesn't realize it's 2020 you know, and, and their game just looks antiquated. They just, they just don't look in sync great, but they also don't look that bad. They look competitive. They just look like an antiquated team trying to play in a modern NFL with the way the play calling. And maybe the right. play calling will open up as Bill O'Brien gets more of his playbook involved and Matt Jones becomes more familiar. Denver Broncos, I think I'm not sure what Russell Wilson has left. In yeah, what happened to that office. guy? What happened I don't. to him? I, I think it's his, his ego. His ego happened. I mean, he can—he's your classic entourage player. He had his own floor, his own office, and and, and to me, it's it's it's. They set. Nathan, I'm not a Nathaniel Hackett fan. I think I think he's a bum as a head coach. I think last year showed he was a bum as a head coach. And the only reason he got the job was because of Aaron Rodgers, and his father was Paul Hackett, who had many right. years in the league as a Super Bowl winning offensive coordinator, if I remember correctly. But. At the end of the day, I, I think Sean Payton can still mow that team into being competitive. But right now, they're 0-2. You know? uh, the Raiders, I think the, 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 the this game this past week against the Bills was a reality check. Look, Devontae Adams is a wide receiver. A wide receiver cannot carry an NFL team. Their position is contingent on a quarterback. And their hokey is going to be getting Josh Jacobs healthy. Josh Jacobs is out of shape. He held out. Look, it's gonna take him. I had my concern with Josh Jacobs is him staying healthy for the next two weeks. Because so it's gonna take him another two weeks before he gets into NFL game shape. You know, the Colts, look, without Jonathan Taylor, they're just gonna tee off you know on Anthony Richardson. And he's left the game now two straight weeks. So so that's a big concern with me. The Panthers, look, I'm sorry. Bryce Young is showing me nothing so far. Mm-hmm. I'm not writing the kid off. You cannot write him off at two games, but to me, he looks like a dwarf playing amongst men, and he has not looked good. Uh, uh, so if if I had to put money on on, on the Texans, the ba- I mean the Texans, the Panthers, and the Colts, and their young trio of QBs, I would rank uh, uh, Bryce Young as the worst of the lot after two games in. But but I'm saying that. And with no seriousness, meaning we still need to see him develop. Right. Uh, look, the Bears, look, I'm sorry, but Justin Fields is holding on to that ball way too long. He needs to let, I mean, he's being sacked a lot for good reason, and he's going to get hurt. He's got to mature and start uh, going through his reads quicker or throwing the ball away. Uh, 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 uh in a better fashion than what he's done so long. The Texans, look, they're just playing the the field of team still. You know, they're still a long way. I don't expect them to be competitive. And the Cardinals, I think there was a Caleb Jones, Caleb Williams, I forget his name, you know, the QB in college still. They're in the sweepstakes for him. USC, but I have to yeah. say this. I'm impressed with Gannon's coaching and keeping that team together. That team has been competitive for the last two weeks, and they almost pulled off an upset. They just don't yeah. have the offensive manpower, nor the offensive confidence. I love this Josh Dobbs kid. I think in the right situation, yeah. never say never, but he's been put in two lousy situations, and by that, I mean they're putting the team on his shoulders on offense. You know, yeah. They did last year with the Ravens at the end of the season, and they're, the Cardinals are doing it this year. So, so God bless the kid. I hope he has a long career, because those those are the people I root for, Eddie, because I see myself the overachiever, the kid who everybody, you're not going to be anybody, and you overachieve, and that's what I see in Dobbs. But I see the Cardinals as pretty much nothing this year, and that's why they're ranked last. What's your take on my ranking of these: the Patriots, the Broncos, the Raiders, the Colts, Panthers, Bears, Texans, and Cardinals?
1: You know, it, it really you can scramble these in any order, and it probably wouldn't make that much of a difference, in my opinion. So the way you have it. I have no problem with it. The only thing is, throw you a curveball here, Guillermo. The Atlanta Falcons are not in your list. So, oh, where,
0: that's who, that's who uh, I was missing. No wonder my yeah. You know, when, I, when I sent that to you, I hit delete. Uh, I mean, I must <laughs> say, I said, the the uh, uh, the Falcons should actually be right around twenty three, twenty four. So, you know, but they,
1: that's,
0: yeah, they're two and that's on the But that's on the basis of the rookie running back, but. Look, at the end of the day, they should have lost against Green Bay, and I apologize, people. the 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 the, the Falcons should be after the Chargers. Look, they're a team that's in not I don't want to say rebuilding mode, but they're uh, 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 they're in a building mode. They're learn. They still have to learn how to win. They still yep. have to learn right how to beat the elite teams. They still have to. They've got a long way to go. I would, if you put a gun to my head, boom, I would sit there and say they're a fluke team right now. But I love what I'm seeing out of that rookie running back, you know, yeah, Robinson. Bijan, yep. Yeah. And yep. uh, uh, I think that their quarterback is uh, showing some yeah. moxie. You know, people, yeah, people just assume if you're not taking in the first round, ah, who cares about him? He's nobody. Write him off, you know. But at the end of the day, Desmond Ritter uh, uh, is moving this team. He's, he's making some mistakes. He's made some good throws. So I do like what they have. And I, I'm not. An unfan of their uh, head coach Smith, uh, but I'm not excited. You know, it's like, okay, so I'm thinking maybe he's a Vrabel type. Maybe he's one of these guys who 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 is trying to build a physical team with some finesse to them. So the, my point being is like the commanders, the jury is still out. Like the Giants, the jury is still out. But I do view the Packers, the Vikings, and the Rams and Chargers and, and maybe not the Giants, but the teams I just said, as they're just better talented. That's why they're they ranked ahead. You know? Yeah. But but, I the, hear but you. the rest of the lot. What's your take on the Patriots though? I want to hear your take on the Patriots uh, and the Raiders, and, the, and and then I have another final question uh, on the rookie QBs. But what's your because I can't figure out the Patriots right now and and the Raiders. I'm like okay they got a good exit in those guys in their head coach, but do they actually have a good head coach, you know? So right. what's your take first on the Patriots? You
1: know, the Patriots, I, they're, I mean, it's, it's pretty obvious. They're in total rebuild mode right now. Um, you know, they have a very talented running back, in Ramon J. Stevenson. And, and you know, Mac Jones has proven that he's actually, a, you know, a decent quarterback. but He, he doesn't really have anybody to throw, throw to, really. Um, you know, Hunter Henry has emerged as, actually, believe it or not, he's the number one tight end after two weeks. So he's actually emerged as somebody to target for those fantasy football players out there. Um, but you know, they're, they're they're wide receivers. You know, they're not really established guys. You know, they're they're kind of journeyman wide receivers. So you know, I, I think until they get somebody who can, you know, you know, who Mac Jones can consistently target, and you know, this this player is electric. They're going to be a mediocre team until they they find that 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 one player that actually. Can compliment Ramon J Stevenson as a wide receiver and, and show some some flash.
0: I agree. In fact, uh, he's playing for the Raiders now. The the receiver they let walk, and they signed Juju Schuster instead of uh uh. I uh, mean that that's a classic mistake. You're being oh too Jacoby, cheap. Jacoby Myers,
1: Jacoby Myers. Yeah,
0: you you're being too cheap and let Myers walk. uh yeah. and then you bring a, you bring a head case to your team. I'm like, right. that, that doesn't help in the locker room. It doesn't help build camaraderie up because to me, Juju Schuster is all about him. He's not about yep. bonding with the team. He's not about becoming a team player. He's not about becoming a leader. And I think maybe that's what it is. This team, Because of Matt Jones and so many questions, and those are questions brought about by analysts and fans, but they seem to have seeped into his aura of who he is because there's so many questions that team does not have a true leader. And, right. I don't, and I think the problem with Belichick is he was a loser before Tom Brady. People forget that. He it's had a true. losing record before Tom Brady. Yes, he did. And and what's he become since Tom Brady has left? A loser again. So the, 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 <laughs> yeah. no, I'm, I'm being dead serious. Absolutely. You know? yeah. so, so, so do they really have great leadership on that team? Do they have a coach who can sit that player down and talk to him like father knows best and to bring the best out of his players? When you're winning, you can be an asshole. Let's be honest. Yep. Not when you're losing. And I wonder if Bill Belichick is the asshole who can't win. Versus the asshole who can. And the reason I say that is, look, we were talking about Popovich, talking about Pat Riley, talking about Phil Ford. That's a style of head coach that Bill Belichick is. But they did it with different players. You know, now Phil Jackson is sure he had Kobe, you know, and Michael Jordan. Or uh, uh, well, they all had their own stars, I guess. But at the end of the day, Bill Belichick has to prove he can do it with more than one player. Like these other sure. guys did.
1: Correct. Yeah. You're right. That's so, a good so, good, yeah. good, observation. You're right. You're right. And he didn't, you know, he did decent at, at Cleveland, but they didn't really go anywhere. Um, you know, so he was a loser there, if if you will, as well. So, yeah, he didn't really start winning until Tom Brady. So, you're right. Uh, it'll be oh, really exactly. If he, can, no. if he can win without Tom Brady.
0: And that's my point, actually. Uh, and I didn't thank you for mentioning that. But that, that that's exactly my point. Uh, my point being that he was a loser at Cleveland. He went from uh, 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 I don't I assume the Giants and Parcells, but I can't remember who. And he was a loser in Cleveland. And then the team moved. I think he got fired the year they moved, or the year right before they moved. And then Correct. the whole then he went he went back to Parcells and the whole Jets Patriots debacle. But people assume he's a winner. I, I, I get mad when people say, oh, one of the greatest coaches." I'm like, no, no, it's like Chuck Noll. My favorite team of the '70s were the Pittsburgh Steelers, but Chuck Noll owes that those championships to his defense and. Uh, being forced to give Terry Bradshaw a shot because he didn't want to give Terry Bradshaw a shot early I on. I didn't know that. Yeah, people, people, did, people did not uh, uh, him and Terry Bradshaw never had the greatest of relationships, and that's why Terry Bradshaw retired, or was part of the reason. He you know had his bum elbow, but part of the reason was his relationship. And remember, back then there was no free agency. You know, so, you know, right. so, so the point being is, to me, it's easy for a coach to be considered great when you got a great team. Yeah, that's why Pete Carroll, I don't like Pete Carroll as a human being. I think he's a bum, but as a head coach, I give him his due. You know, He had a rocky start with the Patriots and then the Rams, I want to say. But once he got to Seattle, you know, had some years as a head coach under his belt with college, then Seattle, he proved he was a winner. Because look, nobody thought Russell Wilson would be a Super Bowl QB, but Pete Carroll right. turned him into one. You know? yep. uh, so yep. what about the Raiders? What's your take with uh, Josh McDaniel and the Raiders? Do you think the Raiders are a team that's going to compete, or do you think McDaniels is just a bum?
1: Well, you know how I feel about the Raiders, there William. I'm not a big Raiders fan. I never will be. Never, never. It's, it it runs it runs deep for me that team. But, you know, I'll tell you in, in all fairness, fantasy football kind of neutralized my my hatred towards the Raiders. I don't really hate them as much as I used to, but they're still a hate. You know, it used to be 100%. Now it's maybe about 70%, but it's still there. Um, they have a a, a world-class wide receiver in Devontae Adams, right? But a, a wide receiver is only as good as their quarterback. And Jimmy G isn't a guy that actually can get the ball to their wide receivers consistently, right? He doesn't throw deep ball very well. He's more just like a you know ten to fifteen to you know fifteen yards and below kind of uh, passer um, that's consistent in that in that range. But you know, and you know, he I don't, I don't I don't want to take anything away from Jimmy G. He actually has he 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 actually is a good player, um, and I think benefited a lot from playing you know behind Tom Brady, and I think that's you know, his reputation. That, you know, because he played behind Tom Brady, there is something to him. And I think there is, you know, he, he proved to be a decent player for the Niners. Although, you know, he, he, he couldn't carry a team. Uh, you know, the team carried him, really. Uh, he was just there to manage the, the game, you know. But the Raiders need more than just a game manager. They need a, a guy who can step up and, and play. And it remains to be seen if Jimmy G can be that player. Uh, the defense is always going to be a problem with the Raiders. Raiders never really had a really good defense in this regime. They were really good in the 70s, in their early 80s. I mean, really good.
0: Well, but they well, haven't and, had a
1: defense since but since then.
0: A couple years ago, they had their defense help carry them. And that was a big shocker last year when their defense kind of disappeared. They had a one good year and then kind of disappeared. I think you are absolutely correct. And uh, I'm glad you said that because one thing I meant to state earlier is the reason Brock Purdy won the the, the the starting job was a no-brainer. The West Coast offense is an offense built on accuracy. We've had so many variations, but being a student of the game, I remember reading up on the West Coast offense on uh, from the Bill Walsh era, and it's an offense built on timing. It's the quarterback's job to hit the receiver in stride. That was a big thing with Montana. And Steve Young, the knock on Steve Young was, well, he doesn't have a deep arm. And Steve Young said, I don't need a deep arm. My job is to get it 20 yards to Jerry Rice in stride. And that's a touchdown. And that's my bomb. And and he's absolutely correct. Trey Lance could did, did not have that accuracy. That's why they actually eventually soured on him. That and he couldn't stay healthy. And they didn't. They 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 just said we're not going to have a locker room controversy this year. Uh, you know that's why he's, uh, 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 Sam Darnold I think won the backup job. You know yep. and he's finally got a good coach. Yeah, and Garoppolo, you're right. He's a great West Coast offense QB, but the Patriots offense is built on a more traditional offense with that deep ball. People forget. Tom Brady and Randy Moss had 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 synergy because Brady could get up that ball, that deep ball, you know. Absolutely. And and they, and they don't have that. So I think the Raiders may not be for real this year because they're a quarterback away. My issue is Josh McDaniels. He needs to become a coach, a leader. He's nothing but a spoiled brat who has Super Bowl <laughs> rings as an offensive coordinator and thinks that translates into a great head coach before he's even become a decent head coach. So now my final, two final questions. What's your take on the Chicago Bears, specifically Justin Fields? They're still not winning. They're looking rather ugly the the uh, you know the, the first two games it's like nothing it's like it's still a sad sad. T- what I'm trying to say is I see no improvement from last year to this year with the Bears. Even though it's only two games, uh, I would have expected some improvement. Uh, uh, both winning with the scoring, you know, it's uh, these games just it's they're ugly playing ugly football. What's your take on Justin Fields?
1: Oh man, I mean you know Justin Fields actually played somewhat decently last year, mostly on his legs rather than exactly. his arm. He has the arm ability. He showed it in college. Um, it's just that I don't think he, I, I think he's one of these quarterbacks that can, you know, go to his first read. And if it's not there, he's going to run. He. Has, I don't think he's the type, at least yet that can go through his progressions. You know, that's, I think the knock on him is that he doesn't really go through his progressions. Once he gets that first read and it's gone, he just moves on, right? He starts running. Cause that's his strength. He, He's actually, you know, a good runner, right? He's probably the second best, you know, after Lamar Jackson, in my opinion. So, uh, but they don't really have that much talent on that team, honestly. You know they, that that traditionally that team was always built on running and great defense. They never really had a good quarterback. I actually heard an a, unbelievable stat recently that um, that Justin Jefferson, in his what five years that he's been in the NFL, he has more yards than any. Wide receiver in Chicago Bears history, believe that or not. So that tells you how the Chicago Bears, you know, they're 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 built on more of a running and and defense type of uh, uh, teams. And you know, right now they don't have the talent at running back to do that, and their defense is suspect as well. So they're a team that's just in in, in flux right now. I mean, they they, they have a guy in, in Justin um, Justin Fields who is actually you know he's got talent. But you know, a quarterback alone can't can't win it when it you know can't win games. There's gotta be more than that.
0: You know, my take is this on fields. If what you say is true, meaning he goes through his first read and then tucks the ball and runs, uh he better show something this year in improving on that because I believe what Bill Wash said. You can tell what kind of if you have an NFL ready quarterback within the first twenty games. He goes, You should be seeing a big jump in season two. This is his third season, but his first season as a starter, or second season as a starter. And uh, uh, his first two games, we've seen eclectic, phenomenal athleticism. But what I try to tell people is, you can be a rusher, and be a statistical phenomenon. Look at Michael Vick. Look at Randall Cunningham. You're going to wow people. You're going to make the highlight reels. But that doesn't put a W on the board. Because at the end of the day, a quarterback has to sit firm in that pocket and make that deep throw or make that or thread that needle throw. He's got to be able to beat a quarterback. Having legs will keep you in close games. But having legs won't win you the championship because once you hit that playoff level game, you're talking about elites of the elites. You're talking about Players right. that, that 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 that's why I love Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor can run and hit a home run in between the tackles against the elite defenses. Most can, you know. Robinson right. in Atlanta, we got to see if we can do that. So Justin Fields better show something this year, or he's just gonna be another fantasy stud on a traditionally losing Bears team. And the reason I say that's traditionally correct. losing in our lifetime, outside of the Buddy Ryan-Mike Dick uh, uh, two- to three-year era they had, they've pretty much team been a mediocre man. team yep. Yeah, uh, for, for, for most of the part. All right, final question uh, uh, in terms of the teams from a general NFL standpoint. The Houston Texans and C.J. Shroud, the Carolina Panthers and Bryce Young, the Indianapolis Colts and Anthony Richardson. Any comments in terms of what we've seen from uh, an NFL perspective from the three young rookies? And to make it even uh, uh, more important, or for lack of a better way, uh, those are three young black quarterbacks, you know, highly yes. drafted. I mean, they're changing the name of the game. Uh, yep. uh, I'll give you my take before I ask yours. Bryce Young, I haven't seen squat from him. Nothing. I see a dwarf out there who looks like a deer with the, the, the headlights. Anthony Richardson is one who surprised me the most. He seems to be making some good throws. He seems uh, to feel pretty well. My concern is defenses are just going to tee off on him. C.J. Stroud, I expect nothing from him except somebody to get his sea legs, meaning, dude, you're going to get a lot of reps. But you're going to see some uh, – what I'm saying is I will excuse his faults this year because they're just a bad team of raw. But right. C.J. Stroud is getting his reps in. But Richardson's the one who I've seen a lot out of uh, in terms of the limited play we, we've seen. Uh, uh, Bryce Young is my biggest disappointment uh, after two weeks. What's your take on these three young men?
1: You know, I, I would say that, you, you know, unfortunately the NFL these days, when they draft like a, a highly touted quarterback, um, they expect results very quickly. And a lot of people tend to forget you know Peyton Manning was horrible his first year
0: you know yeah, Troy, A- right. Troy
1: Aikman was horrible his first year John Elway wasn't right. even all that his first year people just these these general managers have gotten way too impatient you know with these young young players coming out of college you know give give the, give these guys some time put some you know put some talent around them just don't be 100% dependent on that one quarterback to to salvage your franchise you have to bring other players to help these guys out and, you know, you start off with this great quarterback, now round it out. But just don't expect his results the very first year. You have to just be patient. So, you know, all out of all these three guys that you just mentioned, so far Anthony Richardson has showed me the most so far, right? Um, C.J. Stroud, nothing, you know, nothing yet. Um, and then uh, uh, Bryce Young, nothing yet as well. So... I would rank Anthony Richardson in right now, and then the others r- remains to be seen. But I think we just have to give these guys a chance to develop. And, you know, hopefully, you know, the NFL, you know, the, the GMs out there will give them a shot to develop um, rather than just you know, giving up on them within two or three weeks.
0: You're absolutely correct, Eddie. And I, I merely point to the San Francisco 49ers. Their general manager has gone to their own beat, meaning we don't care what the fans say. We don't care about the pressure. We're in sync with ownership, and this is a team. That's why, despite all the negativity, they stuck with Garoppolo. and They, they, they went to the Super Bowl, and they went to championship right. games with him because he was a perfect fit for that team, and they didn't care about the statistics from the fans. And I right. think part of the problem is GMs look at their job. Oh, my God, we got to lose this season. And then these foolish right. owners – These foolish owners, look at the social media, look at the news. Man, we're losing this, that, It's, it's. I've had this conversation more times than I can count over the last 20 years with NFL analysts, with uh, uh, scouts, with coaches, is how an owner can become a billionaire in the business world and then run a team like a moron. It's because they believe the fans. They fall into that hype. You are absolutely right. These players have to be – develop and have to have teams around them. If I'm the owner, I'm all over that general manager. Why hasn't Michael Vick developed? Why is he running still? He's been in the league five, six years. He goes through his second read and then he drops back and then he chucks a ball of the runs. He's going to get hurt. He's not going to develop. That's where I, as an owner, that's where I'm all over my general manager and coaches. But I right. did too many times... That that, that these 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 owners, they look at the general managers and they put pressure on the general managers because of the fans and they let the fans dictate too much in the long term uh, uh, development of these players. So my fear isn't Anthony Richardson, Bryce Young or CJ Stroud not developing. My fear is a fan base turning on them and then dumb ownership, uh, uh, letting that dictate. People are going to say, no, William, they don't do that. Yeah, they do.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The first thing they do.
0: I learned the first thing I learned as being part of the NFL or sports world was these guys aren't special. They go through the same questions we do, sitting in our own offices. The difference is they're the ones who are actually dealing with the players, and they have the experience, they have the scouts to make better decisions than we do. But they also have the human uh, 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 fallibility to uh, make the mistakes that that we do as fans too, and we see that every year. I mean. What's it going to take for certain owners? It's, it's like, for example, Deshaun Watson. They didn't have to give him a fully guaranteed. I agree. That was that was a sheer stupidity. Absolutely. You know? And then on top of that, based off a player who had uh, 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 masturbation problems, for lack of a better <laughs> word. <way>, yeah. <you know? laughs> My point being is, that it shows me they didn't do their research on this kid. Right. You know? And then they give him that. So these owners still make dumb moves. You know, the Patriots were a sham of a team until they got new ownership, then they got uh, 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 Brady, you know, so teams do, uh, the ownership does send the corporate mentality, and that goes towards the GM to maintain that. So at the end of the day, I hope these players can develop not only for our own enjoyment on Sundays, but heck man, there's some potential fantasy studs with Anthony Richardson and his legs, you know, right. that I look at Justin Fields, but Justin Fields will not be long for the NFL. If he does not learn how to become a proper NFL quarterback and I being agree. a proper NFL quarterback at the end of the day, means standing strong in the pocket and making the throw, everything else with the legs is a bonus. All right, Eddie, let's move on to the uh, 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 fantasy segment here. Talk to me about Buka, because to me, he seems like a player that you want to target.
1: Absolutely, and he's probably going to be – I mean, he's not going to be out there on waiver wires. You know, for those uh, uh, owners that have not been paying attention, shame on you, because that guy showed out in his first week already, and he should have been a target right from, from from the first week after his performance. And in week two against the 49ers, he showed out even more. So – you know, shame on you if you missed out on, on Puka Nakua. Uh, so, uh, yeah, he, he's he's a guy that once Cooper Cup shows up, that team is going to be a problem for a lot of teams, including the 49ers. So um, another guy that, you know, if we're looking at teams that, or, or players that target, I mean, Tutu Atwell, who's the other counterpart to, to uh, Puka Nakua, he's actually played pretty decently as well, but he's not in the same, you know, uh, uh, in the same barometer as Puka Nakua. But uh, those two wide receivers, Tutu Atwell, he's the other wide receiver at uh, on the Rams. So I'm sure he's going to be somebody who's already been claimed. But you know, there's big injuries this week, right? I mean, you had the last you have uh, 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 Saquon Barkley who's who's out now, right? Then you have Nick Chubb. You know these running backs. You know, I I know a lot of people still believe that fantasy football right now. You know, today's game is all about the wide receiver. Running backs are very important for building a fantasy team, and the running backs because they get injured so much, you have to essentially you know draft a pretty deep team at running back because these guys go go down pretty quickly. But you know, guys a target in my opinion for for running backs, Zach Moss. Zach Moss is guy is a guy that uh, you know he, um, uh 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 the Indianapolis Colts. So he's, he's actually filling in for Jonathan Taylor right now until Jonathan Taylor, you know, comes back or gets traded. But if he gets traded, it's Zach Moss's team. So he's a guy that you definitely want to target. I'm sure he's not available, but if he is, go after him. Jerome Ford is another guy for the Cleveland Browns. You know, Nick Chubb just had this pretty severe knee injury that, you know, I've heard on the radio today through a doctor that's here in the in the, in the Bay Area that covers, you know, Niners and so forth, and he comments on different injuries that this could be a career-threatening Injury because it's the same oh, exact yeah. knee. It's the yeah. same knee that was, you know, that he had uh, injured when he was at Georgia. So this was a really significant injury. So, you know, Nick Chubb not, not being there, Jerome Ford now steps in, and Jerome Ford actually looked like a really good player. So uh, those are two big names to target, you know, for fantasy for running backs: Zach Moss and Jerome Ford. Another guy to target uh, is, believe it or not, Jamal Williams also got hurt for the New Orleans Saints. You know, he hasn't oh, pull pulled it. Right. That's hand right. Yeah, so then this guy, Tony Jones, just emerged out of the practice squad and actually showed out. So that guy's another one that's going to be a pretty uh, good pick for, you know, those owners that need uh, depth at running back or need even just a plug-and-flex starter for the week. Uh, Gus Edwards, the old, you know, old Gus the Bus, you know, the guy for the Ravens. You know, J.K. Dobbins, once he went out, the guy who got all the carries in the first week was Justice Hill. But then in the second week, you know, Gus Edwards is actually the guy who was the lead back, and Justice Hill is more of a short-down, short, turn, short down, you know, runner and also kind of a pass catcher, but they both can pass catch. But it's interesting, in my opinion, I think Gus Edwards is the guy to target rather than Justice Hill. So those are the guys that I, I have my, my eyes out for, you know. And, and the other guy, man, this guy came out of nowhere. Kyron Williams for the Rams. Kyron Williams is now the starter. Cam Akers is nowhere to be seen. They're actually actively going out to try and find a trading partner for Cam Akers. We heard that story last year. It's here again, right? Kyron Williams, that's his team now. He's he's proven that he is the starter and, and, and actually a, a very effective starter at that for the Rams. So he's another hot waiver wire pickup for this week.
0: Right. What about Jaden Reed? Why receiver here for Green Bay Packers? Uh, he's somebody I was looking at uh, watching because there were so many questions on Jordan Love, but uh, I think Jordan Love after two weeks looks like he's going to continue that trend of uh, great quarterbacks in Green Bay that, that started with Brett Favre. Uh, uh, he's somebody who I would probably be looking at uh, for at least some depth to sit there and see how that pans out. Uh, Rashawn, Roshawn, is that how you say Roshan? Johnson? Yeah, yep. For the Bears. For the Bears. You know, yep. Deontay Freeman was a healthy scratch, so he's somebody I would pick up. Uh, uh, And the reason I pick some players up to to the audience out there isn't necessarily because I want to plug them into my lineup right away. It's, well, what's what's Rashawn Johnson going to do? Is he going to get into the mix more? Because running backs are such an injury-prone position because there aren't that many of them. I like to grab uh, uh, potential prospects. Uh, Kareem Hunt, he's a free agent. Yep. Uh, there's no guarantee that the Browns are going to sign him, but I'm grabbing him off the free agent waiver wire because he knows the offense and we Correct. know what we can expect out of him. And Jerome Ford only had one 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 solid week, you know, coming in uh, 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 as a fill in. I'm also looking at picking up Cam Akers and stashing it because they are actively trying to trade. him. Let's him. Say yep. they do. Yeah, let's say they do trade him to the Cleveland Browns. There's a potential starter. So you got to look at the, the the waiver wire, not only in the short term, like this upcoming week for streaming purposes or when your your players hurt, but long-term with players who may not be showing up on everybody's hit list this week, but will be next week, but they can't get them because you already have him. So uh, uh, Jaden Reed's one of those guys. Rashawn Johnson, running back of the Bears. Kareem Hunt, who's a free agent today. uh, uh and Cam Akers, a couple of players I would drop is is Deontay Foreman with the Bears and Rashad Penny with the Eagles. Uh, your take on those two? Any thoughts? Is would you like Yeah, you know,
1: yeah, they're disappointing. I thought Rashad Penny would get some some carries uh, for the Eagles, but he hasn't really been you know uh, playing that well and or playing that much or even that well. DeAndre Swift is the guy to to own there uh, right now. Um, he he actually played very well very well, and I think once Kenneth Gainwell comes back. I think he's due back to play this week. It's going to be interesting to see how the carries are divvied up between those two players, because, you know, that offense looked very explosive with DeAndre Swift more than Ken Cain will. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Another guy to target, I think I may have mentioned Matt Breda or Matt Breda, Breda the cheetah, as they used to call him here in San Francisco. He was the uh, running back for San Francisco with and Mostert. He's now the guy that's probably going to be the the running back to be taken at the New York Giants. But, you know, tape. Taper your expectations there, because even Saquon Barkley didn't do that well in the first couple of weeks in that Giants offense. So don't expect much with Matt Breda. But if you need uh, some depth at running back, he's a guy to target.
0: Yeah, in fact, the uh, the the, the, the uh, 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 oh gosh, to, uh, uh, the, the head coach for the Giants came out. He won't he won't write off uh, Saquon Barkley yet for this Thursday night game. I'm like,
1: it's dude. gamesmanship.
0: Yeah. yeah, I'm like, bro, first of all, if you play him, I fire you because you're risking his the, the, the whole season by playing an injured player on a short week, Thursday night. But uh, the Giants are desperate. I mean, they have not looked good for two weeks. But that yep. said, uh, Eddie, I think this has been a successful episode. We talked a little bit of basketball, uh, uh, up-and-comers, uh, as well as trade prospects. And we gave you our power rankings. This is something I hope to do almost every week with Eddie here. Maybe not as in-depth. Eventually, we'll start picking and choosing the big movers up and down the ranks for the uh, uh, power uh, uh, teams, as well as a fantasy segment, hitting up on some players here or there. Eddie, any final words from your end uh, in terms of uh, the fantasy segment for uh, these individuals here?
1: No, we covered everything, William and uh, Guillermo. I really enjoyed this segment with you. Uh, You know, the time just flew by. I mean, I I can't believe we spent that much time on all this with only, like, really four points to cover. I think we did a pretty good job in covering all this material. So uh, it's definitely been a pleasure and looking forward to continuing this uh, in the ensuing weeks.
0: And there you have it, my friends. Do not forget... Check out sportsgrumblings.com for this podcast and others. We have fired up our conservative politics. We have free for all our libertarian podcast. We have the big questions with big John where he's actually just finishing up his whole tour of interviewing all the libertarian presidential candidates, as well as a former playboy model, uh philanthropists, all walks in life. Some good stuff. You'll see my power rankings list up there uh, sometime tomorrow. Uh, And moving forward, we're going to be called Grumblings Media, but we'll let you know when that happens. But for now, check out sportsgrumblings.com. And don't forget, check out Sports Grumblings and Grumblings Media on YouTube or Rumble and subscribe to us there. Until then, we shall talk to you all next week. Everybody have a good day and good week. See you. Hey, everybody, this is Big John from Grumblings Media, and I just want to say thank you for watching our content. If you want to
1: support our efforts here at Grumblings Media, just smash the subscribe button right here, totally free, or just go ahead and consume more of our great content.
0: Click either one of these two boxes.